of my favorite movies is the 1995 crime thriller Heat. Directed by Michael Mann, it's famous for its intriguing plot, its tight dialogue, and visceral, realistic action scenes. But more than that, it's famous for being the first film where acting legends Al Pacino and Robert De Niro share a scene together, a tense seven-minute conversation between their characters, a veteran cop trying to hold his personal life together while pursuing a gang of ruthless professional criminals, and a meticulous, almost monastic criminal mastermind trying to get away from the pressure of his dangerous vocation and disappear. It's a moment where they lay their cards on the table, unload all of their baggage on each other, and in a brief moment of quiet, come to understand and even respect each other as they part ways to continue on separate sides of the law. Today is Good Friday, the day in the Christian calendar when we remember the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. The four gospel writers all tell this story in different ways, but they all include a particular moment where Jesus is brought to stand before Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea. And while they all give mention of this moment, John's account is detailed and dramatic, layered with subtext and hidden meaning. And this is where we'll be spending the next few moments. If you want to pause and go get your Bible, you'll find this story in John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. Now before we begin, there are a few things that are important to know about Pilate. As the governor of Judea, he had the power to collect taxes, although he couldn't raise them. And he didn't have the authority to execute anyone, but he did have the authority to punish them if he saw fit. One of his duties was to make rounds of the various towns in his province, collect taxes, deliver news from the emperor, and generally be the face of the empire to the regions on the outer edges. As such, anything he wrote down in the execution of his duties was, for lack of a better word, unofficial, official policy of Rome. Prior to this event in the story, Pilate had gotten himself in trouble a few times with the people of Judea. In one instance, he marched through Jerusalem with the Roman battle standards bearing the image of the emperor, who was viewed by Rome as a deity. But to the Jewish people, this represented a graven image of a false god. And while he was within his rights as the governor to do this, his predecessors in the office had refrained from doing so out of respect. But Pilate felt no such obligation, and he broke with precedent. He was then hounded on his way back home by a group of Jewish authorities, chastising him for his disrespect. When he arrived home, he threatened to have them executed. And they called his bluff, knowing that he couldn't carry it out without being punished himself. And when word got around to the emperor, he had Pilate flogged. Also during this time, the water supply for Judea was inadequate. Pilate decided to build aqueducts to alleviate the problem, but since he couldn't raise taxes, he took surplus money from the temple treasury in Jerusalem to pay for the project. And while this wasn't wrong, and the project was necessary, it created more tension between him and the Jewish people. So, Pilate is a controversial figure to the people of Judea, and he had gotten himself in hot water with both them and his superiors in the empire. All he had to do was keep the peace— and it seems that at every chance he got, he just flexed his muscle and made things worse. And into this drama arrives an insurrectionist, a carpenter and a religious leader named Jesus from a backwater town called Nazareth. It was Passover, and there had been numerous uprisings from religious zealots prior to this, and this man represented just another one in a long line of failed revolutionaries. Only this time, he's brought before the governor by his own religious authorities. 
For Pilate, something wasn't adding up. He found no fault in Jesus, who had not even raised a small army against Rome. And yet, the Jewish authorities' minds were made up. We want you to kill this man. I can even imagine that there might have been a veiled threat in their request. Do our bidding or we'll make more trouble for you. And so trying to find a way out, Pilate brings Jesus into his chambers to hear what he has to say. Now, it was forbidden for Jews to enter the house of a Gentile. It was a matter of ritual cleanliness. And yet, here this man comes willingly. You may be familiar with the fact that when Jesus died, the temple curtain that separated the holiest of holies from the rest of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And many interpret this as the moment when God once and for all removed all the built-up barriers that separated humanity from God. And in the moment when Jesus enters the house of Pilate, he takes with him all of the truth of who he is to a place where the Jewish authorities would not even dare to go themselves. It may likewise be said that this is the moment when God tore down the barriers that separate us from each other. But it's more than that. It's the moment when all the might of the most powerful empire the world has ever seen squares off with the king of all creation, the kingdom of humanity standing face to face with the kingdom of heaven, Pilate doing everything he can to hold it all together, with Jesus ever calm and collected as he faces his doom. None of the weight of this would have been lost on either one of them. And then they have a conversation. Are you a king? Pilate asks. Subtext. Just tell me something I can use to get this over with. I need an easy way out. And Jesus answers, Do you think so? Or did someone else tell you this? Subtext, you have to make of me what you will. This is no one else's decision. And so Pilate responds, am I a Jew? Your people have delivered you to me. What have you done? Subtext, work with me here. I'm not one of you people. I don't understand you or your customs. And you talking in riddles is not helping anyone. So Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world. If it were, my friends would already be fighting for my freedom. But they aren't, because that isn't the kind of kingdom that I represent. Subtext. You don't even have a frame of reference here, and you have no idea what you're in the middle of. But don't worry, because I'm about to turn this whole thing upside down without a single shot fired. And so Pilate responds, So you are a king? Subtext. Is that a yes or a no? I'm lost. And so Jesus tells him, you say that I'm a king, and this is why I've come, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to me. Subtext, don't get hung up on a label. I am so much more than any word you have for what I am. But I'll give you a hint. This is the most important conversation of your life. So then Pilate ponders the idea of truth. With all the trouble that he's been in, you can almost sense now a longing for a power bigger and stronger and more solid than the power that he's used to serving, and what the world would look like if this new power were to take over. 
This is the moment when all the imagined security and faith that Pilate has put in the world comes crashing down around him. The Jewish authorities believe they can use political machinations to stop Jesus, and they can't. Pilate senses that he's losing his grip on things and that his power is useless. And it is. And I wonder how many things do we even now imagine will satisfy our need for truth, our pursuit of influence, our desire for power. How many people and possessions and causes and political affiliations and identities do we think will solve the problems within ourselves? I'm here today to tell you that outside of Jesus, none of them will. Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world. And when you dig into the Greek that's used here, the words are not merely speaking of a different way of doing power. They speak to a fundamental question of the origin of that power. Think of kudzu, that invasive plant from Asia that you can't hardly kill. It was brought into North America to control erosion, and then it took over everything. And even if you cut it back, it doesn't do any good because it grows underground. And so what you try to cut back is merely the visible part of the plant from the deep and strong roots beneath it. It's a good lesson in why you don't bring foreign species into new ecosystems, but it's also a fitting metaphor for how strong and resilient and otherworldly is the kingdom of heaven. Pilate, between a rock and a hard place, submits to the will of the people and has Jesus killed. But then he does something interesting. He places a sign on Jesus' cross indicating the charge for which he is executed. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The Jewish authorities objected to this, arguing that Jesus merely claimed his kingship and that he wasn't actually their king. But Pilate answers, I have written what I have written. To put it in modern parlance, I've said what I said. And in making that public decree, he's actually one of the first people to claim with authority that Jesus is in fact a king. And in a weird way, he himself is the one who coronates Jesus. Every coronation involves crowning the monarch, exalting them on a throne, and proclaiming something like, long live the king. And indeed, Jesus is given a crown of thorns. He's enthroned on a cross, and a sign is hung above his head that declares that he is a king. Just like Pilate, we must make of Jesus what we will. No one can decide for us whether Christ will become the Lord of our lives or just fade into our minds as another good moral teacher. So on this Good Friday, or whenever you happen to hear this, my challenge for anyone listening is to do the hard and holy work of engaging with who Jesus was and who Jesus is and the kind of power that he proclaimed. Power motivated by love and selflessness and sacrifice. Power that changed the world forever. Power that marks a literal turning point in history. A divine sabotage that throws everything we know to the ground and forces us to answer the question that Jesus asked Pilate long ago. Do you yourself say that I am king?